Hey, glad to have you guys here with us. My name's Jeff. If you're a guest with us, man, I get, to, I get the chance of serving as one of the pastors on staff. Thank you for being here at our Carney campus, looking at all of you, right? Thank you for worshiping with us at North Platte, Ogallala, or the hundreds of locations that people are still worshiping with us online. We're one church, still in hundreds of locations, right? And uh, that's just the way that it is right now. That's the season that we're in. So thank you guys so much for being here. How many guys are excited to be at New Life Church to worship God today? Awesome, awesome. That's what I, I hope that you clapped because that's, you're, you're serious about that and not just clapping because I asked you to clap, right? All right, good. Well, we're starting a new series. And I want to pull back the veil for a second. And I want to help you understand, like, where did this new series come from? Okay, because this was not one of the ones that I, I gave you at the beginning, beginning of the year. Uh, at the beginning of every year, I will sit down with you and I will walk through where I perceive our spiritual journey is going to be going. And I'll show you the teaching series that we're going to be talking about. Uh, everything that we've done up to this point, except for right when the pandemic hit, and we went through a series in the beginning of Acts, this changes everything, Everything else was already pre-planned, and it was as if God knew what we were going to need because of the season that we were going to walk through before we got there. This next series was not pre-planned. This next series comes basically, if I can put it in a way, from a vision that I had in a moment of prayer. I don't want to over-spiritualize the moment, so let me just make sure that you understand what, what was happening, okay? I'm in a moment of prayer before God. I'm basically wrestling with God. I'm complaining to God, if I can pull back the veil completely. I'm complaining to God about his church and this whole COVID thing and what's going on with his church, right? But I'm not saying it, his church. I'm saying, I'm using the words, our church. That was the number one mistake I was making. And God quickly corrected that in my heart and reminded me, Jeff, it's not, it's not, yours or our it's my church and I'm like okay well then let's talk about that God why are you allowing your church to go through this and then it was as if God gave me this picture of New Life Church here at Kearney and because we live in the Midwest I think this picture is going to really make a lot of sense to you but a tornado came and a tornado was heading right for the building and then it went right through the building and when the tornado passed through, half of the building was standing and the other half was perfectly cut off all the way down to the foundation, completely gone. Right? And I'm looking at this like, wow, and no debris, <clears throat> no nothing, just half of the church completely gone. Now, the, the other half that was still there, it was perfect. Like, you know, it's like coats are hanging where they belong, pictures are where they belong, nothing was disturbed. Just half of it, whoosh, in a moment is gone. And at that very moment, I felt like the Lord kind of whispered to me, and he said, Jeff, if that was your house, your personal house, and half of your house now was gone, let me ask you one question. Would you rebuild it exactly the same as it was before? Would the kitchen be exactly the way it was before? Would the hallway lead to that exact room? Would, would, would it look identical to what it was before the tornado hit it? And I was like, no. I would have ideas. And I'm assuming that if I ask the question of you, if half of your house was miraculously gone and now you get a chance to rebuild it, it would probably look different to you as well, right? Am I right or am I alone? Okay, right, of course. Especially if insurance money is going to rebuild it and now you get to rebuild it the way you want to? 
you better come up with some fresh ideas. And it was at that very moment that like the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart, that's what I want to do with my church. And at that moment I realized, okay, we were at 50% of return back at that moment. We're not there anymore. We're, we've exceeded all of that. But at that moment, I knew that that was what I was wrestling with. Like, God, like 50% is like all I've seen. And God goes, but, but I'm going to rebuild the other half of my church. And it's going to look completely different. And he wasn't talking about people. He was talking about methods. The methods in which we do ministry. The way that we see the church, the way that the church exists, why, it, why it's on this earth and what its purpose is. And God was going, half of, half of it is going to radically change. The methods are going to change. And one of the things you're going to see in today's message is that God changes methods, but he never changes the mission. And guys, that's vital for us to understand when it comes to our pursuit of God. That over time, methods have changed in the way we worship him, right, in the way that church is actually done. Those are just methods. There's nothing sacred about the method. There is something sacred about the mission, worshiping God. Therefore, we have a purpose. That's where the series comes from. The series comes from the idea that I felt like the Lord was really driving home inside of my spirit, which is this. As we rebuild this church, Jeff, I want my people to walk through these doors every single weekend with an expectation and this is the expectation, that they would encounter my power and they would encounter my presence. And then the whole idea of the series started burning in my heart. How do I help our people become more hungry, God, for your presence? How do I help our people become you know, more excited about what you're doing in their lives? How do I help our people walk through the doors with a desire to encounter your power and your presence on a regular basis? That's where the series came from. And guys, by the way, you were created for that purpose. God created you to encounter his power and his presence on a regular basis. Not just on Sundays, by the way. You have a purpose. God designed you to experience his presence. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of things have purpose, right? And if I can just, like, scale back for a moment in what I've been talking about, dial down the intensity for a moment. Everything has purpose. Let's just talk about it from a practical sense. Duct tape has purpose. Probably everybody in here has used duct tape. It holds together boxes really, really well. Okay? That's a really good purpose for duct tape. I know you're thinking about all the crazy things you've done with duct tape. But duct tape has a really good purpose. It will hold together a box, you know, like really well. And when it gets to the end of where it's supposed to be, it can be hard to get that duct tape back off. And we've all experienced that as well. Um, a bucket. A bucket has a great purpose. These are simple things, by the way. If you were waiting to be wowed by something, it's not going to happen. Okay? A bucket, it holds things. When it doesn't have holes in it, a bucket's amazing. It can hold water. It can hold sand. It can hold dirt. It can hold drywall mud. It can hold anything if it doesn't have holes in it. A bucket can really serve a wonderful purpose when it doesn't have holes in it. A ladder, a ladder can help you. It's got a great purpose. It can help you reach things that otherwise you can't reach. Ladders are really, really good for short people, right? <clears throat> Little short ladders for short people, they can reach normal height things. <clears throat> but ladders used right, I mean, you can reach up, you can do the things that you need to do. A ladder has a great purpose. But what happens when these items get used for a purpose that's other than their primary purpose? 
Well, things start falling apart quickly. Things actually get somewhat dangerous. Like when, you know, five-gallon buckets get turned into stilts. That's dangerous. You don't probably want to try that very often because I think that that is a moment where you're getting ready to have a skull fracture, okay? Duct tape, not used appropriately, will create like the redneck, <laughs> the redneck roof rack. That thing's falling off when you go down the interstate. That's going to cause a serious accident. It might, even, it might even take people's lives. So when you don't use it right, it could all break down. Ladders used inappropriately are extremely dangerous. <laughs> this, these construction guys. Well, we got a big, big uh, tractor with a big bucket on the front. Yeah, but I can't, get up to the, I can't get up to the top of the chimney. Well, let's stick a ladder in it and I'll hold it for you. Okay, that's a great idea. But that's not even the best. Ladders used inappropriate, you find things like this happening. Check this guy out. He's on top of tables that are on top of tables on top of tables with his ladder so he can change that light post. I'm just thinking to myself, the money that all these tables cost, you might have been able to go buy the right ladder. And then you don't have to worry about falling on the spiky wrought iron fence that's over here. When things aren't used for their proper purpose, they can get really dangerous. Guys, you were created for a purpose. And your primary purpose is to encounter the power and the presence of God. That means that God isn't interested in you coming here on a Sunday just to gain mental knowledge of him. I think, though, that what has happened with the, the American church as a whole, and you don't find this when you travel overseas, of which I get an opportunity to do often, the American church has become a cerebral church. We've become a knowledge-based church. That we are proud of the knowledge that we come to a church on a Sunday and that we're gaining. As if like we're studying history, like as if God existed in the past. And I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't exist in the past. Jesus is alive and he wants you to experience his power and his presence. Does he want you to grow in his knowledge? Yes. But where does the knowledge of God come from? From being in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of God... The Holy Spirit works miraculous things in developing a knowledge of God. You don't get to the presence of God because you're knowledge of God. You get to the presence of God by surrendering ourselves and by, by the way, by what Jesus has done. The problem, again, with us as humans, though, is that I think we've settled for a purpose that's second to our primary purpose. That we think that survival on this earth is our primary purpose. And that when we go to work, work is our primary purpose. When we go to the university, that's our primary purpose. To make money, my primary purpose. To raise a family, my primary purpose. And I'm here to tell you today, none of those things are your primary purpose, although many of those things are all wonderful and good in their own right. But your number one purpose is to encounter the power and the presence of God. Everything else flows from there. When the power and the presence of God have interacted with the heart of man, he's transforming you from the inside out. Life comes from there. Leadership comes from there. Guidance comes from there. Motherhood comes from the presence of God. Dwelling inside of the heart. Business owners, entrepreneurs, leadership and ideas come from the power and the presence of God. From the inside out. That's the way God works. And guys, I just think that we've settled for something less than 
what's the primary purpose, which has changed our expectations of God. Our expectations of God are different than what God's expectations are for us. God would want us to have an expectation that when we walk through the doors of New Life Church, that we're coming in with an expectation that we would find God. But if I walked around with a microphone today, and if I was able to jump into your living room today, jump out to North Plata Rogalala today with a microphone, and I said, what is your expectation for coming here today? Some of you would say, well, it's to hear a good sermon. Others of you would say, well, it's to hear some truth of God's, God's word. Others of you would say to, to hear wonderful worship. Some of you would say to visit friends. Some of you might even just say, I brought my kids here because I want my kids to be in a Christ-centered environment. Guys, those are all good expectations, but they're not the number one expectation. The number one expectation that we should have of God when we walk through these doors should be this. God, I've come, and, I, and my, my expectation is that I'm going to encounter your power and your presence. Now look, we don't control God, and I'm not suggesting that we do. We don't control him just because we have an expectation. But I am going to say this to you. When you have an expectation for something, expectation stirs a searching. And that searching results in finding. Expectation creates a desire that allows you to find something. Let me explain it to you maybe this way. It may not be the best example, but it's, it's brutally true. If you walk through the doors of new life today with an expectation to find what's wrong with us and what's messed up with Pastor Jeff, you've probably already discovered it. Because you were expecting it, you had an expectation that something was wrong, you were searching for it, and you probably already found it. But in the midst of doing that, you would have overlooked all the incredible things that God has done in the history of this church and that God is currently doing in the life of this church. But if you flip the expectation, you're like, I have an expectation to come and experience and see what God's doing in this church, then that heart starts searching for it, and by the time you walk out, you have found it. Therefore, there is an equation that works in our hearts all the time. Why? Because God created the equation. Here's the equation. If you have an expectation, right, to encounter the power and the presence of God, and you seek and you start searching for it, then today you'll find it. And this is not like my words. These are actually God's words. God is the one who said that when you seek after me with all of your heart, that you will find me. This series is designed to radically increase your expectation of encountering God. Not just on Sundays, though, but in your time of reading the Bible alone, in your time of prayer alone, in your everyday moments, in your journey with God. God doesn't just have a formula for Sunday, hey, have an expectation to meet with me, and then you'll search for me, and then you'll find me. No, that's not a principle that's just for Sunday morning. That's a principle that is for Monday morning, and for Saturday morning, and for every day of the week that you search after me, and you find me. And that's why you find scriptures like this in Proverbs 8, where God says about himself, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely what? They will find me. And that's because God designed you so that he could be close to you. You were designed to encounter the power and the presence of God. 
And I just want you to know today, God isn't trying to play a hide-and-go-seek game that's like, you know, a universe-size hide-and-go-seek. He's not purposely trying to hide from you. He's not purposely trying to avoid you. In fact, I would say it just the opposite. God's desire is that he would encounter you today. And I know that God wants to encounter you many times more than what we want to encounter him. But God wants to be close to you. And God's been doing this since the beginning of time. From the beginning of time that we know of a man walking on this earth, it's been God's agenda that he designed you to be close to you. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible and you see God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. And from that day all the way till now, God has been on a pursuit to be close to what he created, which was designed for his power and his presence, you. And in our key scripture today, it's going to drive that point home very clearly. And so I want to take you there right now. We're going, to, we're going to unpack this passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 19 through 23, say this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. All right? Into the presence of God. Verse 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. This passage has a number of things in it that may have been said in a way that you go, I don't know that I completely understand that, Jeff. That's okay. I want to help you. This passage was talking about, is referring back to a time of when Moses led the people out of Egypt, right, into the promised land. This passage is going back and it's referring to the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, it goes by a few different names, that God gave Moses. And he gave Moses this like blueprint and he said, Moses, build this so that my presence can come and dwell with you. My presence will be with you. My presence will lead you and my presence will guide you. And Moses was given this instruction to build this out of fabric and, you know, uh, the skins of animals and so on and so forth. And it was very detailed. And I don't have time to get into all that detail. But then later, King Solomon came along and he took that same formula and he built this same, you know, facility, but built it out of stone. And it became the temple, the temple that you'll often find Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, going to teach at. Jesus was at the very temple that was built based on God's blueprint that said to his people, look, I want my people to encounter my power, and I want my people to encounter my presence. And in doing so, God gave them this layout. I want to show you what the layout is really quick. The layout is like, um, it's nothing that is rocket science. And this is what I love about God. God goes, look, it's super simple. All right, here, Moses, this is what I want you to build. You guys have probably seen this before. That might, be the best, that might be the best rectangle I've ever drawn in my life. <laughs> I know that you guys over here have a hard time seeing that. Just trust me. It's a really good rectangle, okay? God said this. He goes, he goes build that. Oh, okay. I got it, God. I can do that. And then God goes, oh, yeah. There's more to it. I want you to build another one of those. But build it inside. Just build it inside. 
Okay, I can do that. And then God says this. I want you to build a curtain across there. All right. And now there's a lot of other details, guys, that go into this. But basically, you have these three components. You've got the outer court, okay? You've got the holy place. And then you've got the holy of holies here. Now, let's start from the inside out because this is super cool. The holy of holies, have you ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Okay, you know what? When I think of the Ark of the Covenant, unfortunately, it's what's drilled into my mind is Indiana Jones searching for it. And then the song, dun da dun 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 da dun da dun dun da Okay, I'm the only one. All right, okay, cool. <clears throat> so you got the Ark of the Covenant, it's in here, and I'm just gonna, it's got these bars that go across there, so. <clears throat> the Ark, God goes, look, build this, the Ark, that's where my presence is gonna dwell, and it was very innate, it was very detailed, and this, is, this was God's plan. Wherever the Ark is, there my presence is. Okay, awesome. Then God says, look, this holy place, this is where priests are going to come. Priests have got some responsibilities to do. And in here, there's going to be some lampstands, and there's a, there's, some, there's a couple of tables in here. And they've got a few items in there. You have to go read about it, right? You can go check it out. And there's all these details that go on. And then in the outer court, God says, look, oh, I need a, we, we need a wash basin here with some water, and we need an altar for the sacrifices. There's an entrance, and there's an entrance. And the priests will do the sacrifices, but the people will bring the sacrifice. The people will bring the perfect lamb. The people will bring the doves. The people will bring the grain. The people will bring the sacrifices to atone for the sins right, of their life so that man can be close to God. And God said this, that once this was built, the power and the presence of God inhabited the ark and that, a, and that a cloud was over the ark by day and fire was in the cloud by night, that there was this semblance of knowing that God was with them all the time. And the people would come into the outer courts. They would bring their, their, uh, their sacrifice. It would, be, it would be burnt and consumed here, smoke coming from there on the sacrifice of the people. And the people would worship God from their tents. And they would look and they would see that there is, there is our God who is among us. It's very powerful, guys. And when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that this now was built by stone, okay? It was much bigger, more, you know, more magnificent. And that when Jesus gave his life on the cross, the Bible says this curtain was torn in two. It's very significant because before this moment, only one priest could enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. Just so check this out. Once a year, a priest is able to go into the Holy of Holies and be with God. The rest of us, we have to see God from a distance and worship him from a distance. Once a year, they get to go in, and that's it. But when Jesus gave his life on the cross, guys, the curtain is ripped, and from that moment on, God was signifying to humanity. No longer does this old model work. No longer does this old method work. There is a new method. Through Christ and through his blood, you've been set free. And now you all will come and encounter my power and my presence. And that was a promise from God because of what Jesus did. He ripped the curtain where only one man could go. And now he says all of humanity is welcome to encounter my power and my presence. And through that one ripped curtain... That method radically changed. Now let's go back to our passage that we're looking at. And I think that when we read it this time, 
a portion of it, it will make more sense. It says that by his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place, into the holy of holies. Jesus is the one who opened it by the curtain being ripped into the power and the presence of God. And since we have a great high priest, not one who enters into the presence of God once, but Jesus now has become our high priest, he is the one who is the gatekeeper, allowing us to encounter the power and presence of God, who rules over God's house, who rules over the temple. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. There's nothing to keep us from moving into the power and the presence of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Guys, what I find so interesting about this ancient model, this ancient method that God radically transformed, is that in this method here is a beautiful picture of you. There are three parts that make up this, and there are three parts that make up you. Your body, like the outer courts. Your soul, like the holy place. And your spirit, like the holy of holies. And we know that God made you with these three parts. Let me just take you to one scripture that helps to drive that home in 1 Thessalonians 5. And it says this, Now, now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole what? Spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. You are made up of three parts. Just like the old temple, the old tabernacle was made up of three parts. I don't think that's by accident, by the way. Your body, your bones, your flesh, your tissue. The body itself craves certain things, doesn't it? Right? Your soul is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions, the way you think, your desires, your feelings, your spirit. It's made up of that intuition, it's that, it's that place, that dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of the living God to come and dwell within you. And what I find so interesting about both the old model and you and me, the way we're created, is that God was transforming the atmosphere of the Israelites from the inside out, from where his presence was out. It radiated out. The people worshiped at their own tents because they saw the power and the presence of God. But they can only worship from a distance. And guys, for you and me to encounter the power and the presence of God is from the inside out. That God transforms us from the inside as we allow his Holy Spirit to fill us. As we allow you know, the leadership of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. That church, from the inside out we are transformed. Not from the outside in. And I don't know about you, but I need, from the inside out, God to transform the way my mind thinks. Anybody else with me? I need, for God, from the inside out, to change my desire, my will. I need that. I need God, from the inside out, from the power that dwells within me through the Holy Spirit, that I might encounter the Holy Spirit in a powerful way that would transform even my emotions and the way I feel. Anybody else with me? And I know that I need the leadership of the Holy Spirit from the inside out to transform even the desires of my flesh. And my guess is that all of us are at this very same place. God was transforming a community from the inside out, just like he's transforming you from the inside out. Why? 
Is it so important that we have an expectation to encounter the power and the presence of God? Because there is no other way to be transformed. Why is it that most of us walked in here today not thinking about the expectation of encountering the power and presence of God? Because the enemy knows that that's the way you're transformed. That's the way you are made more into the image of Christ, into the likeness of Christ. That's how your mind starts to think on the things of Christ. Your will starts to desire the things of Christ. Your emotions start to feel the same way as Christ. That's why he doesn't want you to be transformed from the inside out. That's why he doesn't want you just to be thinking about and have the expectation of that causes you to search for and find the very power and the presence of God. That's why he tries to keep us in this old method when Christ bought a new method. The Israelites in the old method, they had to worship the power and the presence of God from a distance. Many of us don't feel worthy of engaging the power and presence of God. Many of, us, many of us have been Christians for years, but we don't know what it looks like to even encounter the power and presence of God. Why? Because the enemy would love to keep you in the old model, even though Jesus created a new model. If you were driving around in an old beat-up 1988-something car that's worth nothing, and the exhaust is dragging, creating sparks, right, the brakes barely work. You're not sure it's going to start. And you can only park in certain places because reverse doesn't work anymore. And then I was able to offer you a new 2020 car. Would you take it? You better. God has offered us a new model. Why is it, why is it that we, we tend to still worship him from a distance, from the outer courts? Why is it? That we, we don't press in. Why is it that we don't have the expectation of engaging God when Jesus has literally bought us with a price so that we can fully, with the expectation of meeting God, we can move into the presence of God. Let's go back to our main passage. This is what Jesus did. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let me say it another way. Let us have an expectation for God can be trusted to keep his promises. The promise of what? The promise that you are free to come into my presence. If, you, if in this old model, you walk into the presence of God, boom, you're dead. That's why one priest once a year, not anymore, when Jesus died on the cross and the curtains ripped in two, now we have access. My question to you today is this, what are you going to do with that freedom? What are you going to do with that access? Are you going to let hunger increase within you? Are you going to let the thirst of the Holy Spirit increase within you? Are you going to transform right now at this moment before we move into a response time to God and say, God, forgive me for not having an expectation that the number one thing you want me to walk into this place with is, is to encounter your presence and to encounter your power. God, forgive me for not having that. God, that's where I want to be. And then you might say, well, what else is there? What else can I do, Jeff? I would suggest that in these next few minutes as we move into our time that we call response to God, it's our time. It's like we respond to God, right? What he's been speaking to our heart. We use worship songs to do that. That we would respond to God's presence exactly like King David challenged his people to respond to God's presence when he moved the ark into Jerusalem. 
And when the ark, the presence of God, was being brought into Jerusalem, David gave these words of instruction that they, they were true then and they're still true now. Why? Because the power and the presence of God does not change, although the methods of worshiping him do. Here's what he told his people that I think still pertain to you and me today. First Chronicles 16, David says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. I mean, they're carrying the ark. The ark is now brought into Jerusalem. Thousands of people. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. We've been talking about some of this stuff. But here's where it really comes into play. Sing to him, church. Sing praises to him. Tell of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. That's what we should be doing. Right? Because we have access to the power and presence of God. Verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence what? Continually. The good news about this is it's not, David was going, it's not just for the days you show up in the synagogue. It's not just for the days that you show up at church on Sunday. Seek the presence and the power of God on Monday morning, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning. Seek the power and presence of God through reading of your Bible. Expect God to meet with you in your time of prayer. Expect God to meet with you in the middle of your day. Expect God to meet with you before you have to go into a big meeting. Expect God to meet with you. And whatever you expect, you start searching for. And what you start searching for, you find. Seek me with all of your heart, God says, and you will find me. Church, that's where we are. So my challenge to you is, what are you going to do with the access? My encouragement to you is, get hungrier than, than you've ever been for God. Have a heart that's expectant to meet with God in these next few minutes and start searching after him with all of your heart. Just get hungry for God and start going after God with all your heart. And I'm telling you today, you will walk out of here going, I found God. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. Why don't you stand as we move into a moment of seeking God. Let me pray for you. Father, we stop for a moment right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Lord, you've been consistent in pursuing us. And what you want is hungry hearts pursuing you. That's who we want to be. Forgive us that, Lord, we had all kinds of other expectations when we walked in this place. And the number one expectation that you wanted us to have, we missed it. It was to meet with the you. It was to meet with you, God, and to experience your power and your presence. God, you've been wanting to encounter us all week long. Many of us, we, we had such a busy week, or at least we claimed it was busy. We found, we found how to fill almost every minute of every hour of every day. From the time we woke up to the time we went to sleep, many of us, God, never even spent moments expecting to meet with you in your presence. But Lord, through the grace of Jesus Christ, we have been washed clean. And now, right now, at this very moment, we can boldly enter the throne room of your presence and encounter you, God, in a very profound way that will transform us and change us today. And so, Lord, I pray for this congregation and those who are worshiping online and at all of our campuses that in Jesus' name, let expectation increase. That in Jesus' name, let hunger for your presence increase. Let a thirst for your presence increase. Something that only you, can, only you can quench. A hunger that only you can fulfill. 
Lord, we desire to meet with you here at New Life Church. May you have your way in our midst. Do what you want in our hearts. And may we encounter you from the inside out. May we encounter you in a way that transforms us, leaves us different than we walked into this place. May your will be done. And may your kingdom come in this church and in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.